Rejoice in the Lord always. Again, I will say rejoice. These are the prison epistles. Good morning, everyone. Uh, today, we're looking at Colossians chapter 4, verses 2 through 12, and Paul is ending his uh, letter to the church in Colossae. And uh, he ends with a bunch of greetings, uh, but verses uh, kind of two through six are the ones that most people remember. Uh, they're quite powerful verses. And, um, you know, I, I got to tell you that verses five and six are probably the ones when I think of the times that I've listened to people speak on Colossians chapter four that are talked about most often. And it's about making the most of every opportunity, uh, you know, uh, in the days in which we live and things. And, I get it. Uh, it's actually important. You know, uh, it says, live wisely among those who are not believers. Make the most of every opportunity. Let your conversation be gracious and attractive so that you will have the right response for everyone. Um, sure, it's important that we get that down. It's important that we share Christ uh, with others. But, um, you know, I want to focus on verses 2 and 3 because to me they're equally, if perhaps not more powerful. So bear with me while we look at these this morning. Verse 2 is short. Uh, let's look at it just for a minute. Paul says this. He says, Devote yourselves to prayer with an alert mind and a thankful heart. Uh, let me say it again. Colossians chapter 4, verse 2. Devote yourselves to prayer with an alert mind and a thankful heart. Now, what does that mean? What does it mean to devote yourselves to prayer? Uh, can I ask you today, can you think back of a time in your life where you have been devoted to prayer? You know, I, I personally, I think back, you know, I, I, when we're in trouble, we're like, we throw up those prayers pretty hard, don't we? We devote ourselves to prayer we're in times of, of life change or when someone is suffering. Um, yeah, we can think back to those times. But what does it mean to live a life that is constantly, normally, usually, consistently, devoted to prayer. What does that look like? You know, as I pondered that, a couple of things came across to me. Let me share them with you. The first is this. I don't think it means that we prayer aimlessly or without purpose. And I've been guilty of that. I'm sure you have been. You know, you wake up and you go, man, I, I need to pray today. And so you start praying and you ever lost track of, you know, who you're even talking to? And you, I gotta admit, there have been times where I've been talking to God and I realized, man, if, if I was God listening to me right now, I'd... I'd probably go, excuse me, I'm here, you know. Um, you don't have to say that again. Uh, or, yeah, you know what I mean. Um, to devote myself to prayer, at least for me, is not to pray aimlessly or without purpose. It actually means the opposite. You see, I can never devote myself to something or someone aimlessly and have a good, devoted relationship to whatever that is. Um, and this means that my prayer life must be purposeful and, and vital to me. It, it means that it's something that I don't take for granted. And I think that's what Paul means when he writes, devote yourselves to prayer, and then he says two things. He says, with an alert mind, and secondly, with a thankful heart. Devoted to praying with an alert mind. I think that if I was gonna put that in a, in a sentence to God, it would, it would be this, and I ask God this a lot. I say, God, what are you up to? What are you up to today, God? In, in the things that, that I'm involved with, the things that I see, God, what are you doing? What, what are you up to, Father? Uh, and that makes my mind alert. It, it makes me look at life 
with an alert mind to see what God is up to, because God is up to a lot of things all the time. Uh, and, and I think the second is this. Uh, when I think about having a thankful heart, and of course, Paul writes about that. He says, you know, be thankful in, in every circumstance. Um, it helps me to remember that I need to be always mindful that God is faithful. God is faithful. You know, uh, there's a wonderful passage in, in the Old Testament. I'll bring it to you. It's, it's out of 2 Kings chapter 6, where Elisha, the prophet, is uh, locked up in the city of Dothan because the king of Syria, the king of Aram, is trying to hunt him down and kill him. And here's the reason why. Let me jump into the story. Verse 8 of chapter 6 of 2 Kings. Now, the king of Aram was at war with Israel. And after conferring with his officers, he said, I'm going to set up my camp in such and such a place. And Elisha, because he was a prophet and God gave him the inside track on knowing these things, sent word to the king of Israel and he said, don't go there. Beware of passing that place because the Arameans are going down there and you're going to get wiped out. So the king of Israel checked on the place indicated by the man of God, that is Elisha. And time and again, Elijah would do this. The king of Aram would go and set up an ambush. King of Israel would avoid it. And finally, the king of Aram was so mad because he thought that one of his officers was, was, was betraying him. He said, tell me, which one of you is betraying us to the king of Israel? And the officers all gathered around and they said, none of us. None of us king, but Elisha, the prophet who is in Israel, tells the king of Israel the very words you speak in your bedroom. He knows exactly what you're thinking. We don't know how he does it. He's a prophet. So the king says, well, I w let's find that guy instead. Let's not ambush the king of Israel and his men. Let's go find that guy. And the report came back, Elisha's in Dothan. And so he sent horses and chariots and a big force of army people there. And they went by night and they surrounded the city. And the next day, Elisha's servant gets up and he sees this incredibly large army surrounding this little village. And he says, oh, no, Lord, what shall we do? And Elisha says this, think of God is faithful, all right? He says, don't be afraid. Those who are with us are way more than those who are with them. And he prayed, open my servant's eyes that he might see what I see, God. And the Lord opened his servant's eyes, and he looked, and he saw the hills around Dothan full of horses and chariots of fire all around them. And uh, the story goes on that the enemy came down to wipe him out, uh, to kill Elisha, and Elisha said, strike the army with blindness. He struck them with blindness, and Elisha actually leads these, this army that's trying to capture him and kill him right into the palace of the king of Israel. And the king of Israel says, oh, man, should I kill them? And Elisha said, uh, no, of course not. You don't kill people that are defenseless. He said, treat them with kindness. Would you kill those that you have captured with your own sword or bolt? Set food and water before them so that they may eat and drink and then go back to their master. So he actually prepared, that is the king of Israel, a big meal for them. After he'd finished, he sent them away. And guess what? The king of Aram didn't pick on the king of Israel anymore. But Elisha has a devoted life in prayer to God with a thankful heart. God, you are faithful. Can I ask you today, what is God up to in your life? What is he up to in the lives of your children, and maybe your grandchildren? What is he up to on your street, in which you live, in the job that you, you go to? Um, what's going on in our province right now, where God is on the move? In Africa, China, across the world, you, you get the picture. Um, Here's the truth, three truths today. The first one is this, you know, the Lord is always up to something, isn't he? The king is always on the move. And so do you see him through the eyes of faith? Are you alert? Are you watching? And are you thankful for God's faithfulness? 
Do you need your eyes open like the servant? I believe that if you pray, God, open my eyes that I may see what you're up to. God loves a prayer like that. He'll open your eyes. You'll see what's going on. And then in verse 3, Paul says, after this, devote yourselves to prayer with an alert mind and a thankful heart. He says, and pray for us too, that God will give us many opportunities to speak about his mysterious plan concerning Christ. And, and that's the second part that jumped out at me as I was preparing to bring you something today. The second truth is this, you know, the message of Jesus is mysterious, isn't it? it it's actually hard at times to share with others who Jesus is and what he means to me my relationship, our relationship with him. You know, Paul said to the Corinthians, the church in Corinth, he said, the message of the cross is actually foolishness to people who refuse to believe. But to those who do believe, it is the power of God. And, and I know the message of the cross to me is everything. Jesus is everything to me. And you've experienced this too. Most of you who are watching this, I think you understand what I mean. But so many people haven't. And in that way, Jesus is a mystery. His message is a mystery serious thing to many people. I have a dear friend and, you know, last year his marriage was in ruins, his health was slipping, his job prospects were low, his friends were kind of running out of grace for him because he was just really needy and, and genuinely so. He was angry and he was upset and he was kind of lost and, you know, a couple times I, I invited him into faith and he said, you know, that's not my thing. I'm not really interested in, in Jesus. Thank you, but no. Wow. It's a mystery. And when we're not alert and when we're not in that place, it's tough, isn't it? Yeah. Third truth, last one. Telling others about my life with Jesus, I believe it demands great wisdom and grace and care. And we don't always get that right, which is why Paul says, pray for us as we share the gospel, that we will share it well. Um, you know, I, I believe that our actions are more powerful than our words when we share I think our humility is probably more important than our knowledge. Our kindness is, is more powerful than our preaching and our suffering is more important than all the things that God gives us that brings us comfort. You know, some of you remember Barry Lockwood. Barry was a dear brother in Christ. He gave his life to Jesus and to new life for many, many years. Barry died of cancer about three years ago. And, you know, I, I think that in the times that I um, spoke with Barry and knew Barry and spent time with him that his most powerful moment with Jesus in terms of his witness was when he suffered. I remember coming and speaking with him and we actually as elders went over to lay hands on Barry and pray for him and Barry actually said to us, he says, I'm really appreciative that you're coming over but he says, God has really made it clear to me that cancer is going to take me in the next few months and I am prepared and I'm ready and I'm looking forward to being with my Lord and I'm just trying to make sure that Jan and the kids and everything will be all right when I leave. And that's exactly what happened. We prayed with him. We had a wonderful time together. And Barry, over the next number of months, got sick and sick and more sick and he passed away. Um, it was his suffering that I'll remember and how well he did it. If God has called you to even suffering today, maybe there's someone watching today and this is the message for you. If you're suffering today, the Lord is with you and you can thank him for his faithfulness to you and his grace. Be alert. Watch what he's doing. Make the most of every opportunity. May the Lord bless you. Let's pray. Father God, thank you that you are faithful and you're on the move and that when we have alert minds, we can see what you're doing. And Lord, it fills us with joy and it fills us with purpose. So Lord, make us alert today. 
and whatever you call us to, to, to be involved with today, Lord, we trust you and we love you and we thank you, Lord. Thank you for your faithfulness. In Jesus, amen. God be with you today.